0: Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Den. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and I want you to turn with me. I'm going to go to several scriptures. I want you to mark 2 Peter chapter 3. And then I also want you to go back and look at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be all over the place today. As you're aware, last week I told you that there's a, some things that the Lord is speaking to me about and it's in the percolator right now. It's just, it's the drip. It's like when you're really needing that cup of coffee and you have to just kind of stand there and wait. That's what I've been doing. And this past week, I, I thank God for all of you who fasted and who prayed and spent time with the Lord uh, in an in increasing measure because sometimes that's the way the Lord does. Sometimes it's like the fire hydrant. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's the fire hydrant. God begins to speak and it's the fire hose and you're just getting it all at once. And sometimes it's the coffee maker. It's just one drip at a time. You all know what I'm talking about. And the Lord just kind of been percolating some things, and I think it's because what He's speaking to me has to be something that needs to be absorbed. It's not something that can just be passed through and then delivered and say, hey, tell the people this. It's something that has to be just absorbed into my own life. And so for the next few weeks, I just want to kind of just give you what's, what the Lord's kind of just given me. And uh, I hope that it, it uh, is going to make a difference in you as it's doing in me. Um, look at somebody and say there's a better version of me. (laughs) And those of you that you heard that's heard you say that look at them back and say yeah I know. I am in continual upgrade mode, constantly downloading, a constant upgrade of the version of who God wants me to be, the kingdom version, the Jesus version of me. And there's a reason why we upgrade, because the purpose of God in your life and in my life is that we represent Him well in life. That we represent Him well in our marriages, that we represent Him well in our job, that we represent Him well to our family and to everybody of, of, around us, that we represent the Father well on earth. Now, how do you do that? How do you live to where every part of your life is represent represents the Father? Represents who God is. What are you supposed to believe? Well, what you have to do is you have to look to his perfect example, and that is Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. Theology is thinking about God. Jesus is perfect theology. When you see Jesus, you see God. You see the Father. Isn't that what Jesus said? When you see me, you see the Father. Whenever you look at Jesus, when you look at His life and the actions that He did, everything that you need to know about God is seen in the life of Jesus Christ. The one that you can see and read there in the New Testament, the one that we understand as John talked about Him in John chapter 1. But Jesus is everything. So if you need this new version, if you need this new upgrade, you need to understand Jesus. You need to know who He is. And just in my own prayer life this week, I've said, Lord, I want to know You in even greater measure. I want to see You as I've never seen You before. Because a lot of us think that in order for us to become more like Jesus, we get this sense of striving. It's like something that we've gotta go out and we gotta work for it. It's the disciplines. I've gotta you know, it's the new year and a lot of people start this discipline lifestyle. I wanna I wanna get fit, I wanna eat right. I want to start reading my Bible. I want to start praying. I want there to be a devotion. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And we get into this mode that the only way to know God is we've got to fill in all these disciplines and we've got to just become so regimented in our life. Now, There's nothing wrong with that. If you lack discipline, you'll never grow as a Christian. But here's what I want you to see. Knowing God It's not about knowing how to be disciplined. It's not about striving. Knowing God is about surrender. It's not about trying to work to do something better in your life. It's trying to work to yield more of yourself to Him. You're not striving to become like God. You're yielding. You're surrendering. So when you're saying there is a better version of me, it's not about me saying, Lord, I'm going to do something better in my life. It's about God. I'm going to give more of my life away so that you can be greater in me. And that's done through the work of the Holy Spirit. You yield to the Holy Spirit. And as you grow more like Jesus, it's by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life showing you, cultivating the soil of your heart so that you respond, so that you do, so that you act. And, at a, and, and, and you, as you allow the Spirit to bring you closer to Jesus, He gives you a clearer view of who He is. Because if you see Jesus, you see the Father. Discipline's important, but the bottom line is, as you behold Him, the more you behold Him, the more you become like Him. The more you examine Jesus, the more you become like him. And so as we upgrade ourselves, as we begin this year to do so, we started this service with worship. And there's a reason why we do that instead of just coming in and just opening the Bible. It's because... The reason of worship should be transformational because the Bible tells us that when we worship, when we praise, that we invite his presence in. That's how we are able to open our eyes to see him because when you guys came in, the one thing that y'all were thinking about was how cold it was. What was going on in the around you? The heater was working. I mean, you had all kinds of thoughts that you had in your in your mind and the activities of the of the environment shaped your your actions today but you came in and what did you have to do we had to create an environment to where you could see him and that's what we did that's what during worship because it's more it's it's more than just songs it's more than just singing a hymn it's more than just musicians it's about creating an atmosphere where we can behold him so that we can see him so that we can become more like him and surrender more of ourselves to him okay I want to read something to you, so we're going to get to the scriptures in just a second. So just be patient with me. I read a book years ago. It's called Resident Aliens. It's not a book about aliens. There's a couple Methodist theologians that wrote this book. And I remember the very opening story, and I'm going to read that. I'm going to read the that from you. So I want you to listen to this. Stanley Hauerwas and William Williman began their book Resident Aliens with a story from their youth. And here, here's, the, here's the quote Sometime between 1960 and 1980, an old, inadequately conceived world ended, and a fresh, new world began. When and how did it change? Although it may sound trivial, one of us is tempted to date that shift sometime on a Sunday evening in 1963. Then in Greenville, South Carolina, in defiance of the state's time-honored blue laws. How many of y'all know what blue laws were? Blue laws were laws that were legislated that basically said you could not have stores or things open because of church activities. Can you believe that? The Fox Theater, the movie, the movie theater opened on Sunday. And so seven of us, regular Sunday night church attenders, how many of you remember Sunday night church? <laughs> Made a pact to enter the front door of the church be seen by everyone, and then quietly slip out the back door and join John Wayne at the Fox Theater. That evening has become to represent a watershed moment in the history of Christendom for us. On that night in Greenville, South Carolina, the last pocket of resistance to secularity in the Western world served notice that it would no longer be a prop for the church. There would be no more free passes for the church, no more free rides. The Fox Theater went head to head with the church over who would provide the world view for the young. That night in 1963, the Fox Theater won the opening skirmish. You see, our parents, and this is an incredible part, our parents never worried about whether we would grow up Christian because the church was the only show in town. Church, home, and state formed a national consortium that worked together to install Christian values. People grew up as Christians simply by being lucky enough to be born in places like Greenville, South Carolina, or Denton, Texas. A few years ago, the two of us awoke and realized that whether or not our parents were justified in believing about, about this world and the Christian faith, nobody believes that today. At least, almost nobody. All sorts of Christians are waking up and realizing that it is no longer our world as if it ever was. Now, I read that to you because... It's obvious that we do not live in a Christian nation. We no longer live where people revere the church. Stores, companies, businesses, they don't give the church a pass anymore. They don't give Christians a pass anymore. And it doesn't take long for you to just be in an average conversation, watch a, just a regular TV show, watch a regular movie, hear, the, hear the, one of the top ten songs in America to realize that we don't, live in, we don't just live in a non-Christian culture, we're actually living now in an anti-Christian culture. That's who we, uh, That's where we are today, right here in our city And so the question becomes, as I just begin to just think about all these things, the question becomes is, how do we live in a world that has abandoned God? How do you live your life? How do we live when we realize that we are living in a completely different universe than most of the people that walk around us in the stores and in the businesses And in the neighborhoods, how do you live your life when your universe and your reality is so much different than everybody else's? You ever thought about that? How do I live my life, God, in my neighborhood where I know is filled with many people who don't know you and don't care to? Peter asked that question back in the first century, and here's go to go to Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three, verse 11, he says, So what kind of people ought you be? They asked the question, we live in a, in a, a non-Christian culture, and Peter asked the question to the other disciples, to the church, to the people that were there, listening, what kind of people ought we be? He says, We ought to live holy and godly lives. That should be our quest, friends. Holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God, or the day of the Lord, and you speed its coming. Now I want you to look at that last those last three words, as you speed its coming. You know the scripture says that no man knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man is going to come. Right? Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. We all know that He is coming back, but we don't know when. So how in the world, if we don't even know when He's coming, how can we speed His? What do you do? How do? What does that have to do with? I believe it has to do with this story that I read to you before. I believe it has to do with something we call the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the most important concept in the New Testament. I didn't make a note sheet. You're, you're have to make your own notes. But the kingdom of God... Was the most important teaching subject that Jesus ever had. As a matter of fact, most of the things when Jesus stepped out to teach, here's what he says: The kingdom of God is like so-and-so. It's, it's like this. It's like this gate. It's like this plant. It's like this. The kingdom of God is like this. And he would begin these. And there is the, it is the one single thing that jesus talked about more than anything else in all of his teachings and all of his sermons and all of his preaching and his personal conversation jesus talked about the kingdom of god more than any other thing and so the question is how does that have to do with this story what does it have to do with me living in a in a universe different than my neighbors what does it have to do what does it look like to live in the kingdom of god what does that have to do with speeding his coming Flip over to Matthew 6. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 contain what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, the most important, most influential teaching, preaching that was ever done and will ever be done. Great sermons have been preached from this sermon, but no other teaching has has impacted the world like Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you'll notice, in Matthew chapter 6, in almost the dead center of that entire sermon. Those of you who have gone to film appreciation or you've read a lot of literature and you understand what different types of, of writings there are. You have tragedies where you have uh, the hero, and but there's a climax in the middle, right? In a movie, you've got to build the character. And in the middle, they... They have this climax moment, and then it's resolved toward the end. You'll notice in the very center of this most important delivery, this most important address, you'll find something in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. It is called what? The Lord's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's really not the Lord's Prayer. It's really our prayer that He gave to us. And the reason why I say that is because when it says in verse 12 to forgive us our debts, we know Jesus never had any debts. Forgive us our sins or trespasses. Jesus didn't have any sins or trespasses, so he wasn't referring to himself. He was saying, hey, we know that you do, so you pray like this. So This is not really the Lord's prayer. It's what we call it, but this is our prayer that he gave us. I want you to look at it, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. Signifying that that the kingdom of God is not an individual, it's family. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now look at verse 10. This is the important verse that I'm going to be preaching from the rest of the day. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Notice this phrase. On earth as it is in heaven. Can we just say that together? On earth as it is in heaven. Say that again. Let that ring in your heart. On earth as it is in heaven. As Christians, a lot of times we only think in terms of getting to heaven. But I want you to see this distinction as the Lord just kind of showing this to me. There's a distinction that we have to understand. Heaven, as a believer, is our reward, but heaven is not our responsibility. Heaven is the reward for living in in the kingdom. This is what you get. I'm going to build you a mansion. You're You're going to have streets of gold. You're going to have pearly gates. All of those. Those are all rewards. But that's not our responsibility. You see, here's what I want you to see. My responsibility is not to get to heaven. My responsibility is to bring heaven to earth. Your job as a believer is not to strive and to struggle and just hope that you can crawl through the pearly gates. Your job as a believer, you have been commissioned to bring heaven to earth. You have been commissioned to show the world around you, your neighbors, the people that you know, your friends, your family, everyone, what heaven looks like. And in doing so, as Peter said, your speed is coming. People see the kingdom before Jesus comes. You see, that's what God wants us to to do. He wants us to show the world around us the kingdom. In a world where the kingdoms are at war, we must exhibit the kingdom. And Jesus reveals this completely. You see, in our world, there is a war between two kingdoms. The Lord has purposed us, His people, Christians... Believers, those who trust God as their Lord and their Savior, the Lord has purposed for us to contend for breakthroughs of heaven into earth. It's not God's intent for you to to do normal life. He is supernatural. Supernatural. From our perspective. And He fills your life. He doesn't intend for you to live in a natural way. That's why you feel so out of place sometimes when you feel like you're in a different universe from other people because you are supposed to be seeing life in a different way. You are supposed to be contending for breakthroughs to take place in the natural from the supernatural. You are supposed to be contending for breakthroughs on earth as they are in heaven. Whether it's healings or miracles or all kinds of things that you cannot explain because you can't fully explain heaven. And God's given us that responsibility for breakthroughs of on earth as it is in heaven. And in doing so, you're showing the world around you the kingdom of God that's coming and will come on the day of the Lord, but you can speed that coming and the realization for the world around you by showing heaven on earth. Your kingdom come. That's God's purpose. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And in this prayer, Jesus reveals the will of the Father. He reveals the superiority of heaven. He reveals he reveals that earth problems come with heaven solutions. All of the issues that you deal with in your life, those are earth problems. but there are heaven solutions. And so as you live your life, in doing those things that come in crisis moments or whatever they might be, you need to recognize the fact that on earth as it is in heaven, in other words, you want want to see God from heaven move on behalf of heaven so that the earth sees the kingdom of God. In every crisis, in every situation, whatever it is in your life, how many storms did Jesus bless? none but how many storms did he call him? why because he wanted the kingdom to be seen on earth as it is in heaven how many funerals did Jesus ruin Lazarus the widow's son Jairus' daughter, he even ruined his own funeral. Right? Why? What did that show us? It showed us that God has a purpose for us, and that is to contend for the obtrusion the of, the, of the kingdom of God into this natural world. Some of you are looking at me like, what has he been doing prayer and fasting, what did he get into? I want you to upgrade. You've lived, we've lived, the church has lived without the power and presence of the kingdom of heaven too long. The church has become so anemic and so weak that we expect normality. That we don't expect the kingdom to invade our presence. That we don't expect miracles. We don't expect extravagant things to take. We don't even expect the Lord to save the lost. Oh, they're too too—they're too far gone. I'll pray for them, you know, but I don't think it's going to matter. We've, we've so weakened the gospel to be just something that you check a box from the card in the back of your seat, where it lacks the transformation power of what it really is for heaven to invade earth and to change somebody's life, to change a drug addict and a drunk and an alcoholic and abusive person to become something that God created all over again. I want you to see, Is I want you, to, I want you to, to, to know that God doesn't want you to stay at this version. This church doesn't need to stay at this version. We need to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I tell you right now, there's no cancer in heaven. That means there should be none here on earth. There's no addiction in heaven. There should be no addiction here. Before you think I've bought into Jehovah's Witness or Mormon theology, please understand, yes, there is coming a day when He's going to set it all right. We can't bring heaven here. He's going to bring it here, but we can contend for moments of the kingdom to be invading the normalcy of our regular life. Friends, listen, don't 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 exclude God to some side seat because He lacks power or ability or willingness to move in this earth. His will is His kingdom to come. His will is for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not satisfied anymore. I don't want to be... The normal, just let's go to church and do the normal church thing. I want to see God do the things that He really wants to do on earth as it is in Him. Jesus did everything just like that. And you have to understand, you have to recognize this about Jesus. And this is how it connects to us. Because everything that Jesus did, He did as a man. He did as a man. You say, well, wait a second, Pastor. I thought Jesus was the Son of God. Absolutely, Jesus was the Son of God. The eternal Son. He's not the Son of God because He attained it. Like I said, we're not jumping into Mormon or Jehovah's Witness theology. Jesus is God. As a matter of fact, John 1, 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God, verse 2, in the beginning. He was God. There is no previous. He was not created. He's not some angel that transformed. He is God. He has always been God. He always will be God. Jesus is God. But at the same turn, what did He do? He limited Himself to become human. John 1.14 says, and the Word became what? Flesh. He accepted limitation. It wasn't that He gave up His divinity. He accepted humanity. And so everything that Jesus did on earth was as the Son of Man. They asked him, are you the Son of God? Over and over and over. And what did he say What did he say when he stood before Pilate? It is as you say. But he operated everything as the Son of Man. Now, how does that relate to this whole bring heaven to earth or this, this uh, on earth as it is in heaven? How does that relate to us? Well, here's how it relates to us. Because Jesus confirms this fact. In John 5, 19, I want to give you this scripture. Jesus gave them this answer when they asked him, who are you? He said, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees His Father doing. He can't do anything by Himself. Only He does what the Father gives Him, the will of the Father, Your kingdom come, Your will be done, as earth is in heaven, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So all the acts of Jesus were only made possible by the Spirit of God that came and gave Jesus the ability to do everything that He did. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if Jesus did all of the miracles and the invasion of the kingdom of God was taking place in such a powerful way and He did all of these acts as God, then we are relegated to nothing but but observers and bystanders. Right? We can say, oh, wow, that was great. Nice miracle. Too bad I'll never be able to do anything like that. I'll never be able to experience that, the flow of God through my life. I'll never be able to know that, but that's not what happened. That's why Jesus did everything and performed all of His miracles. See, when Jesus came, He functioned as a man in right relationship with the Father. That's the most important thing. Jesus functioned as a man who was in right relationship with the Father. A man just like me and you. A woman just like you. Jesus functioned as a person who was in complete right relationship with the Father. And you see His life. You see all that He did. And this is the reason that you can't stay the same version. This is why we all have to upgrade. It's because we may never see all that He saw We may never be able to do all that He did, but we don't have the right to change the responsibility of bringing on earth as it is in heaven. Because we are men and we are women. And we know the Spirit. And so what Jesus did is He exampled that. He showed us all that could take place in a life that is in right relationship with God. Jesus' life showed us what was possible. Remember, Jesus is perfect theology. He showed us everything that's possible. When you look at your spiritual life, I want you to understand, Jesus has showed you in every verse of the New Testament, Jesus' life, He showed you what's possible with just one man or one woman who is in right relationship with Him. That should bring a smile to your face. Because it's possible. With men, nothing is impossible. But with God, all things are possible to them that believe. Jesus did that in two ways. He showed what it was like for someone who was free from sin and someone who was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Free from sin. Jesus never had sin. He lived a righteous life tempted. Yes, but he never did sin. What does that mean? That means if you know the Lord, if you have been saved, if he has come into your heart and he has, he has removed your sin, then when you go back to revisit your past, you are subjecting yourself to a deception about that life that no longer exists in that form. In other words, your old man is history. And here's the great part about that history. The pages have been torn out of the book. You can't go back and visit that. I'm so thankful that I don't have that, that I can flip back to page 7 and look at what you are. No, that's not anything where I am. The Lord may take you on a journey of deeper repentance, but it's always as a tour guide to just show you what He has done in your life for a moment of thanksgiving and not to condemn you and say, this is who your life is. No, 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 no. He's torn the pages out of the history book. Jesus was in perfect right relationship with Him because there was no sin. If you are covered by the blood of Jesus, friends, you are without sin. Your past is gone. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you've slept with, what you've done, how much you've stolen. It doesn't matter. That is gone because the blood of Jesus has covered your past. It's gone. It's gone. Thank God. Jesus operated as a man who was in complete right relationship. No sin. And He operated as a man who was under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. When you look at his life, you see the work of the Holy Spirit all over him. John 14, 12, Jesus says something that is amazing because previously he said, Look, you see all these things that I'm doing? I want you to do these. And he tells his disciples. And they're like, What? And in John 14, 12, he says this. He doubles down on that statement. He says, Look, even greater things than these. How many of you would love to just live like Jesus in the power and the awesomeness that Jesus said? Oh, man, we would. Then do greater. You see why you need an upgrade? You see why you have to look at life a little bit differently? You have to believe a little bit differently? You, you have to seek. You have to surrender a little bit more because Jesus created this momentum. Miracles that Jesus did were not to show us what God could do. Jesus did not do miracles so that he could show you what God could do. I know that because that was done in the Old Testament. You can read through the Old Testament and you can see the power of God on every page parting waters, healing sick, miracles, provision, all, just all through the Old Testament. You, you see what God can do. Jesus didn't do miracles to show us what God could do. Catch this. Listen. Jesus did all these miracles to show us what one man in right relationship with the Father could do. That's transformative. That's on earth as it is in heaven kind of stuff. That's displaying the power of God. That's contending for breakthroughs of the kingdom in normal, everyday life. That's contending for breakthroughs of the kingdom of miracles of provision when the account account is empty. That's, That's contention of breakthroughs of the greatness of the kingdom of God when the sick are made well. And so Jesus, full of sin, are, are, are free from sin and empowered by the Holy Spirit displays what the kingdom looks like. Are you with me? I'm kind of verbal processing some of this as well. There's more illustrations of this. When Jesus went to the, the pool of, of, of Bethesda, it's one of my favorite stories, John chapter 5. Jesus goes to the pool of Bethesda, and, and what does he do? He walks by this pool, and, and history tells us that at that pool, which is a neat little place, it's not. Even, if you go to Israel today, the pool of Bethesda is kind of off, off the beaten path. There's not a whole lot of people that will even go there, but I love that place when we went. Because as Jesus walked into that, that pool area, there could have been a thousand people laying there. And it's a very unique, fascinating story because there is one man who has been there for 38 years. He spent there. He spent his whole life crippled, and he's always laying there at the pool every day. And Jesus comes in, and and his his complaint was that this this lame man that no one would pick it up, pick him up, and pull him and put him in the water when the waters were troubled. And on this particular day, Jesus shows up at this pool. Here's this lame man going about the normal day, the normal routine. Can I just tell you, sometimes it's those normal, routine, ordinary days that all of a sudden that's when Jesus decides he's going to come visit. Just out of nowhere. 38 years and all of a sudden he's going to have his life completely changed on a normal day. Just another day of begging. Just another day of, of asking and hoping that he can get in the water. Another day of doubt. Another day of frustration. Another day of hope. Another day, whatever. Jesus shows up to this pool. And you know the story. Jesus heals this man, transforms his life. The kingdom comes to this man. on earth, as it is in heaven, right there at the Pool of Bethesda in John 5. Think about this. That one man out of all those people, if that miracle would have happened today, do you know what a lot of people would have done? They would have been more concerned about the ones who didn't get healed than celebrating the fact that this man's life was completely changed. Well, what about the others? Jesus didn't heal them. What about this person? He's been here a long time. What about this lady? She's she's been asking for a long time. What about them? What What about the unanswered prayers? Do you see how far we've gotten off? Instead of celebrating the kingdom coming, invading and breakthrough in a person's life that day, we talk about where the kingdom did not show up. I wonder why Jesus didn't just walk around the whole pool and just heal them all. And the Lord spoke to me and He said, Who did He leave in charge? Did the pool dry up after Jesus left? Were there still people there around the pool? And who did he leave in charge as Jesus ascended and said, Hey, I want you to go and make disciples. In Mark chapter 16, I want you to go and I want you to heal the sick, cast out devils, uh, pray for uh, pray for deliverance. For them. Who did he leave in charge? He left the disciples in charge. He left us in charge. He left us to go back and revisit the pool of Bethesda for all the 999 who were still waiting for the kingdom to come in their life on earth as it is in heaven. Are you tracking with me today? We have to upgrade. Our world is desperate for a new version of the church. The world around you, your family, your friends, the people that you know, they're desperate for a new version of you so that you can display the kingdom of God in in your life in such a way that it transforms on earth just like it's supposed to be in heaven. Jesus came to reveal the Father and that's what He did. The reason why Jesus came to reveal the Father as He speaks of in John chapter 7 is because we are nothing but a planet full of orphans. That's all we are. How much more does an orphan need to know their father? He came to reveal the Father. He revealed the Father... uh, In Mark chapter 10, when when he walks by blind Bartimaeus. And what does Jesus do? He heals blind Bartimaeus. The kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. And he heals blind Bartimaeus. You know what he's doing? He's showing what any father would do if he had a son who was blind. He's revealing the father. He's showing everyone the father. If you look in John chapter 8, there's a woman that's caught in adultery. An intriguing story about this lady who is caught in an act of sin, and the the men around her are ready to throw stones at her. Jesus, you know the story. He begins to kneel down. He writes in the dirt. All of her accusers leave. He says, hey, where are your accusers? I don't see anybody. I'm not your accuser either. I wanted you to see your father. All he's doing is he's showing you what any father would do for his daughter who had been ravaged by the world, who had made poor choices, that the world was ready to just disregard. And he shows us the love of a father. The love of Jesus was the display of a love of a father. What about those 999 people at Bethesda? I may close with this. There were people who didn't get healed that day. You've prayed those prayers. Lord, what about my grandmother? Lord, what about my bankruptcy? Lord, what about my marriage? Lord, what about my unanswered prayers? Here's something I want you to always remember. You do, this must be the core of your understanding of the kingdom of God. There is a, a theological disposition that you must always start at, and that is that God's goodness is always the cornerstone of everything. It's the anchor point of everything that happens in anyone's life who follows the Lord that His goodness is the root of every. It's where everything begins. God never does anything out of spite or anger. He does only out of His goodness. And that's the one thing that we can miss in life is we miss the goodness of the Father because we think that things ought to work the way that we think that they ought to work out, but we don't understand the ways of the Father always. What I'm saying is don't create a theology out of unanswered prayers. I know a lot of discouraged believers because the core of their theology takes them back to an unanswered prayer. Rather than taking them to the goodness of God that you may not... Completely understand how it's coming about. When it doesn't seem like you're winning, know that His goodness is always in the lead. It's always leading. You can't always see it, but it's always leading. You may experience difficulty in life. You may face challenges. There may be things that you pray about that you have not received an answer for. There may be things that you have prayed about that the answer, the time for that answer has passed. Don't create a theological position about those unanswered things. Well, God didn't do it for my daughter. God didn't do it for for this situation. Because you need to root back to the goodness of God. Once again... Jesus came to represent and show us the Father. And our Father is good. He's always good. He's never not good. He's always going to find the good that's going to develop in our lives. Even though it may take a zigzaggy path, He's going to bring us to good. I have a lot more to say, but I'm going to stop right there. Brandon, would you come up here? Just make your way around if you don't mind. I want to continue on this as the Lord just kind of lays this in my heart. Because this is developing something in me that I believe that is necessary for me. It's necessary for you. We have to step up our game if you will i'm going to be speaking in a couple of weeks about what what your mind is like in the kingdom of god it's different you, the way you think is different and i'm going to be walking you through that so stay tuned Here's what I want you to to commit today as we close in prayer in just a moment. I want you to commit and say, Lord, I have not fully displayed the kingdom in the world around me. Now, you may have been living right and exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, but can I tell you, the kingdom of God is filled with power. And we have to be in our culture where the war is raging, we have to be able to display the power of God in our lives, in the lives of others. And it begins with this. It begins with a sense of expectancy that God can do What he did through Jesus in my life. And he can do those things in greater measure. You may not do it all. You may not be able to do it well. But you know what? You can do that. You can operate in the the power of the kingdom because Jesus showed us what it was like as a man in right relationship to live this life and to hasten the kingdom of God into this world. I'd like for you just to bow your heads. I know all that I've been saying. Now you know what I mean when I said this is a percolation. This has to soak. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over our church today that in the coming weeks, months, that the Lord would begin to do a deep turnover in your life. I don't want this year to be a year of striving. I want it to be a year of surrender. I want you to become more like Him because you were surrendering away things in your life that have long held you Or that have kept you from operating in the way that God wants to operate. Let me tell you something. There is power that we have not touched. And the Lord wants to display those things in your life. There are people in your family that God is wanting to use you to show the kingdom of God. There are friends that God has put in your life and in your circle of relationship That God is going to use you to display the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. God is going to use you. I want you to hear me. Listen, I'm speaking to someone directly. There are people in your life that you've been praying for for a long, long time. And it's time for you to say, you know what? I'm going to surrender to the power of God. To the... the, to the working of the Holy Spirit in my life in such a way, just like Jesus, that God's going to do things that I can't explain. Miraculous things, supernatural things, things beyond my, my ability to, to, to do on my own. I believe the Lord is taking us there. He's taking us there. So you have to be ready. Father, I pray this morning over our church. I pray, O Lord God, over every person who is here today. Lord, I pray your kingdom would come. Lord, we hasten the coming of your kingdom in this world around us. Fill this world, Lord. Fill this world with your glory. Lord, on earth, Lord, right here, in this day, in this city, Lord God, in this state, in this nation, Lord, around the world, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, let Your glory be known, Lord. Let Your glory be seen in our lives, Lord. Let Your glory be seen in our conversation. Let Your glory be seen, oh, Lord God, in everything that we do, in not just our words, but in our actions, Lord, empower us by the power of the Holy Spirit, just as Your Word shows us, Lord God, through the book of Acts, how You empowered Your disciples, Lord, to do things that, Lord God, were out of the realm of possibility with man. But with you, Lord, all things became possible. I pray right now, Lord God, over every person who is here today, that you would help them, Lord, to surrender on an even deeper level. Holy Spirit, speak to their heart. Let them have a sense of expectancy of what you are going to do in them and through them, Lord God, in the coming days and months. Oh, God, let's don't let relegate that to some famous person, Lord, in the past. Lord God, you need to use people just like us in today's world, Lord God, that so desperately needs the vision of the kingdom, Lord God, to come. The hope of the world, friends, is not the return of Jesus. The hope of the world is the power of the gospel. Jesus is coming whether you hope for Him to come or not. For people that are outside this church, Jesus is going to come. The hope of the world is the power of the gospel. And that power of the gospel can be displayed in your life in powerful ways, just as Jesus showed us. So this morning, I just want to pray one more time. That God is going to do that in our lives. Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this church, help us, Lord God, to walk in your favor, to walk in your power, and to walk in your anointing. Give us that expectancy and faith. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's see the kingdom of God. Let's see it. How many of you want to see the kingdom? I don't want to be told about the kingdom. I want to see the kingdom. And if we expect to see, we will see. Those things that you've been seeking God for, He's going to show you those. He's going to show you the power of the kingdom. Amen? Amen. I believe it. May the Lord bless you and keep you today. May He cause His face to shine upon you. May He give you peace. May His uh, gospel season in every word of your mouth. May you walk in the truth of His light. and May you be the light of the kingdom in the world around you as you go. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.